Good morning and welcome to our Monday morning chapel. We begin today uh, with instruction in baptism. Please turn to page 34 in the front portion of your hymn book, page 34. And near the bottom of the page, we will use the sections entitled The Nature, the Blessings, the Power, and Meaning of Baptism. Please join me. So first of all, the nature of baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is not just water, but it is the water used according to God's command and connected with his word. What is that word and command of God concerning baptism? Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatever I have commanded you. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. The blessings of baptism. What does baptism give or profit? Baptism effects forgiveness of sins, delivers from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, just as the words and promises of God declare. Which are these words and promises of God? Christ our Lord says, Mark 16, 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So then the power of baptism, how can water do such great things? It is not the water that does these things, but the word of God which is in and with the water, and faith which trusts this word of God in the water. For without the word of God, the water is simply water and no baptism. But with the word of God, it is a baptism, that is, a gracious water of life and washing of regeneration in the Holy Spirit. As St. Paul says, Titus 3, 5 to 8, according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. And finally, the meaning of baptism. What does such baptizing with water mean? Such baptizing with water means that the old Adam in us should, by daily contrition and repentance, be drowned and die with all sins and evil lusts, and that a new man daily come forth and arise, who shall live before God in righteousness and purity forever. And where is this written? St. Paul writes, Romans 6, verse 4, We are buried with Christ by baptism into death, that just as he was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life.
Our scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from St. Paul's second letter to the pastor Timothy, the third chapter beginning with verse 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. may be seated. Have you ever experienced peripheral neuropathy? You probably have, but you just didn't know it by that name. It's an interruption in the pain sensation or the signals that go from, for instance, your fingertips uh, ultimately to your brain for you to sense uh, the pain. For instance, if you touch a hot stove or burn your finger, um, it, uh, it interrupts that. And once those cells on your fingertips, if you've ever uh, maybe scorched them on the side of a, of a hot iron or something, um, once those cells are deadened, now you can't feel anything. Uh, now there's no sensitivity to the touch. In his first letter to Timothy, the one before the one we're reading from here today, St. Paul had warned this. He said, in latter times, that means as we get near the end of the world, Christians will abandon the faith whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. And that's the imagery he's using, that, that they've lost sensitivity to what sin is, lost sensitivity to the things that are right and wrong that God defines for us. This week in the church year, um, we often talk about confirmation, and you maybe think of your, in your life, your confirmation was an event years ago. But St. Paul would have us consider your confirmation to be an ongoing event in order to keep you in the baptismal grace that God gave you when he brought you to faith. And St. Paul is warning us that we live in not only just a wicked world, but the closer we get to the end of time, the increase of that wickedness will, will ramp up. And we can't avoid it. We all can see examples of that growing wickedness in the world all around us. But this passage isn't just talking about what's around us outside of the church. This is talking about inside of the church. The danger of, of how this, the way the world thinks begins to creep inside of the church. And in particular, down into the personal lives of those who profess faith in Christ. A commentator by the name of Lenski said it like this, the church will not only be surrounded by such people, but invaded by them. There's going to be an invasion. Paul is warning about this. Those who claim to love Christ and maybe wear a cross around their neck and, and claim to be part of the church and yet really don't care anymore about real repentance, really don't take their sin very, serious, very seriously anymore. In fact, want the, want the church to approve it. Let's see if we can get the church to give its blessing to our sin. That's the type of danger that Paul is addressing for us. And there's a warning here for all of us not to slide into this sort of false Christianity. Uh, we often refer to it as carnal security, kind of a carelessness about our faith. 
And we can easily quote the creeds and say the Lord's Prayer and quote our favorite Bible passages and kind of pay an outward lip service to Christ, but our hearts become dead when it comes to realizing our sin and need for repentance. That We've lost that sensitivity. And so sometimes it can happen to us that our, the sin inside of us doesn't really bother us anymore. We just go about doing things. We get so used to it, it becomes like a callus on our, on our souls and our consciences. Jesus says and warns about this type of religiosity when he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. St. Paul once said, they have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. Kind of a, a false version of Christ. You're kind of faking yourself out to be a Christian. And so he's warning against this moral uh, degeneration, this slide that starts to happen inside of the Christian church. It's interesting, he, his words here is a Greek phrase that basically says, know this. In other words, you better pay attention to this. This is serious. What I'm talking about here is something that is very important. You've got to understand this. And that peripheral neuropathy type thing that can happen to your fingers can happen to your conscience as well. So this is a harsh warning from the Holy Spirit for us. You know, sin is always sin, okay? Whatever is against the will of God is always sin and is always sinful. But there are two different ways that we can deal with sin, or two different, if if you will, types of sin. There are sins of weakness that we fall into every day, and we seek God's forgiveness and grace for those. But then there is hardened, concrete sin. That's the sin that you know is wrong. You know what God says about something, and you just don't care. You could just give a rip anymore. That's the dangerous type of sin that Paul is addressing. When, when we just kind of lose the, lose the sense of, I don't, I, don't have to, I don't have to be concerned about this. I know God says it's wrong, but I'm fine with it. And, and there are a lot of other people acting like this, and they claim to be Christians. There are some churches that are even approving of some of the things that I'm doing. So I don't really care what Scripture says about it anymore. I'm, I'm going to keep going with this. That's the, the wicked, nasty type of sin that kills faith, Paul says. So this invasion into the church is harmful and will potentially contaminate the flock of Christ. It has a corrosive nature to it. And that's why Paul says at the end, if this starts happening in your congregations and things, he says, from such people, turn away. If this is happening inside of your congregation, get away from this. And when this takes place inside of the church and you start to see people giving approval to what is sinful and wrong, then it's time to leave, to protect yourself and your children and your family. Jesus said once, a little leaven, a little yeast, leavens the whole lump. And we can really see this when it comes to openness to to sexual sins especially. In the last 30 years or so, it's amazing how many church bodies have just just basically thrown what Scripture says aside and said, do whatever you want and we'll we'll be fine with that. Just, Just bring the sin into the church. We'll even give it our blessing. And how quickly other doctrines drop and fall when that happens. There's a connection between approval of things like sexual sins where God says something is wrong and the church says, that's fine, go ahead. There's a a connection between that and the false doctrine that ultimately attacks the very gospel itself. God does not want us to lose 
the precious faith that he has implanted into our hearts. He wants to build up true, genuine faith in us that he has created for us. Just think what we have in Christ. Just think what it means that you have been given the gift of faith in your baptism. You're, all of your sins are washed clean before the throne of God. You are dressed in the holy, perfect, white robe of righteousness that will allow you entrance into heaven someday. You have the blessing of the Almighty God himself and the promise of everlasting life because of all of that. And Paul is basically saying, don't lose that. It's too important. Don't lose that by getting careless about your own spiritual life. Two chapters earlier, this is what St. Paul wrote to Timothy. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. That's faith in Christ. Guard it with the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The Holy Spirit wants to make sure that what your parents brought you to the water to receive, and maybe some of you were baptized later, but whatever you received in your baptism, to make sure that the blessings given to you in that water through the word of Christ last on the final day of judgment. Be faithful unto death, your Lord says, and I will give you the crown of life. Amen. Please rise. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Amen. I word shall into glory May the triune God who has claimed you in your baptism, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you. Go in his peace. Amen.